the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I know many of you have been away from the United Kingdom for quite a few years, and others, of course, have never been there at all. And I now realize that most of you are far too young to remember this simpler time that I'd like us to go back to for a moment. A simpler time before satellite dishes and color TVs and mobile phones. Yes, there was such a time. I'd like us to go back to the time of the potter's wheel. The potter's wheel. When there was only one television channel, and before broadcasts began every day, and in the gaps between the programmes, the attention of the nation was riveted by the sight of a potter's wheel going round and round on the screen with a mesmerising monotony. Round and round, round and round, round round and round. In those days of innocence, never mind your MTV, multi-image, split-screen, multi-track wall of sound, give us the potter's wheel, the nation cried. They were simpler times. Then there was that other cinematic potter's wheel, the one used by Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze in the haunting movie Ghost. The Righteous Brothers singing unchained melody in the background while water and clay-spattered skin offered an erotic cocktail of sensual imagery and cinemas full of snuffling women and men, let's be honest. Jeremiah is down at the Potter's Studio, a place more ordinary then than nowadays. It was just where they made stuff rather than a a centre of high art. I remember watching a a potter down in Kakubri in the south of Scotland, watching him ply his trade, nimble fingers gracefully, gently bringing something lovely and creative out of the most unprepossessing lump of ordinary wet clay. And with an an almost miraculous ease, he, he made something out of nothing. Clever, brilliant, a work of art. And that, boys and girls, is how God is with us. That's what we say, don't we? The the preachers, it's an occupational hazard of the preacher that you find some slice of life to connect with the great truths. Some irresistible illustration that makes the abstract truth concrete. Sometimes it works better than others, that process. It has to be monitored, or else you get into the... And you know, boys and girls, God's a bit like a tomato. I used to tell the trainee ministers who worked with me that if I ever heard them say, you know, boys and girls, God's a bit like a tennis racket, I would hunt them down and I would deal with them. God's not a bit like a tennis racket or a tomato. 
But good communicators are always on the lookout for some fitting illustration, a telling image to connect life with truth, truth with life, a bridge between concept and understanding. And God leads Jeremiah down to the potter's house. And there it is, a classic visual image to work through, a powerful metaphor to unravel the raw material of our lives in God's hands, made into a thing of beauty and worth and usefulness. And for some people, that's all the miracle they need to hear. Those crippled by low self-esteem, those with low social status or little education, they discover the lovely truth that in the hands of God, that seemingly unimpressive pedigree can be powerfully and beautifully used by God, can be a vital resource for the kingdom of God. He can transform the raw material of our feeble insights, our hesitant spirituality, into something unrecognizably fine and productive for his work. And all that's needed for that to happen is for us to place ourselves in God's hands. You are the potter, I am the clay. And the truth of the matter is that historically, poetically, clay is just what we are. As the old spiritual puts it, mankind was made of clay, each of us in the very same way. Get ready, brother, for that day. And what happens with that clay depends on whose hands it is in. Bottom line, determining factor. The other powerful piece of good news that the image of the potter and the clay reveals is that there is the hope and the possibility that if our life has got messed up, in the caring, gracious hands of the potter, we can be reshaped, reworked, And the misbegotten, misshapen failures can be reconfigured, reformed, and something new and worthwhile and beautiful created. And for some people, dogged by failure, shrunken in their disobedience, whose lives and family relationships have become ugly and lumpen and just a mess, this image of hope and restoration is all they need to hear. Not sophisticated religious complications and theological jargon, but a simple picture of what God can do with us and our life if we place ourselves in his hands and let him remake and remould us according to his dream for us, his purpose for our life. But we're not just lumps of clay, are we? We're not just lumps of clay. Which explains the reluctance we have to abandon ourselves to God and allow him to work his transformation on us. We either content ourselves with the ugly lump of useless clay and we excuse the grimness of life With a shrug we say, well, no one's perfect, it's just human nature, what do you expect, that's life. And we settle for that pattern of failure, 
We accept that this is how it is, and the norm becomes the mess the world is in. What can you do? The strained faces, the broken hearts, the wars and the famine and the misery and the poverty. That's the human condition. That's how it is. That's how it's going to be. And we're powerless to correct the crazed tilt of society. Or else maybe even more dangerous than despair. We entertain the folly that somehow the lump of clay, the failed lump of clay, can reform itself. That by some special effort we can rework our lives so that what's skewed is straightened and what's deformed is made new. And that brings us to the problem of Jeremiah's illustration that lies within it. And we're forced to remember, let's not take this picture too far. Let's not stretch the metaphor till it snaps. We are willful, living, stubborn and contrary people. Capable of blind arrogance and foot-stamping rebellion. This clay can say to the potter, leave me alone. We can refuse all the skill, all the artistry, all the creative purpose of the potter and we can still have a life. We can still have fun. We can still function quite happily. No one need be allowed in to make anything of us, shape us in any way if we don't want. And the roof doesn't come crashing in when we reject the potter and just bash on as best we can. And that's particularly so in the present climate of individualism, the prevailing wind of opinion. Why should I listen to anybody else? What I think is as valid as the next person. No one's going to tell me how to live my life, potter or no potter. It's as if Walt Disney had taken over the picture of the potter and the clay, and suddenly the clay turns to the potter and says, you just leave me alone, I can work this out for myself. And if it gets a bit messy, and it looks miles different from what you would have done, well, so what? I'm all my own work, a self-made man or woman. No need for divine intervention, thank you. And as we know, the world is full of self-made men and women. Some become monsters. Some mess things up for themselves and other people, but many just live their lives as best they can to a different design from the one the potter intended, but it's still a life. And so the reality is, and Jeremiah, as he shudders at the self-will of the people of Israel and their resistance, he acknowledges the reality is that it's perfectly possible to live your life without reference to or influence from the creative hand of God in your story. Thousands do, millions do, and they make for themselves in general a life that is tolerably happy. And they construct a society that by and large hangs together in a reasonably civilised way, all without the benefit of the creative work of God in their story, on their life. And where there is hurt dislocation and pain and all the stuff that makes the world horrible, well c'est la vie a different scenario presents itself for the individual who places their life in the hands of God and actively and humbly 
and obediently seeks the presence of God's purposes in their story. An act of trust and abandonment. Here I am, Lord, wholly available. The idea of submission to God, not my will but yours. Trusting the all-wise God who longs to do something worthwhile and creative and sacred in our life. To direct us according to his dream. And that's about a whole trusting in God like a child safe in their parents' arms. Learning about the love and leaning on the love that holds and enfolds the sure knowledge that what is best for us lies in the heart of God. Assured that he, he wills only what is good for us. And that when we let him make a difference in our life, that's precisely what he does. He makes a difference in our life. What he makes may surprise us. It may be more complex, more risk-filled, more demanding than we ever dared imagine. But the promise is, when we do submit ourselves to his creative grace, we become our possibility. We find our true self. We can become the spirit-filled vessels that God will use to pour the oil of meaning and healing on the world he loves. We just have to let him. We just have to let him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.